It was June of 1998, and two men named Charlie Blanchett and Des McGrath got on their 43-foot sailboat and headed out from New Zealand en route to Tonga across the South Pacific Ocean. Now, I don't know what happened, if they got an inaccurate weather report, or if they misunderstood it, or if they forgot to check it, but during their trip, they encountered a horrendous storm. The wind speeds that they dealt with on the ocean were upwards of 260 kilometers an hour. That's right, 260 kilometers an hour. At times, they dealt with waves that were over 80 feet in height. Yes, you heard me right. Their 43-foot sailboat was just a little, little bobber out there riding up and down on these waves, at times going completely under the water only to pop up like a dolphin out of the water a moment later. For four days, they dealt with terrible weather and miraculously they survived. Now, when the captain was asked about how it is that they made it through, uh, Charlie Blanchett said nothing about his skill. Uh, he said nothing about his experience. He certainly said nothing about luck. Instead, he chalked their survival up to one very important piece of equipment that they had on board, an anchor. They had an anchor on board, and Blanchett was quoted saying, without it, I doubt very much that we would have survived. Now, as I understand it, there's, there's, uh, some, there's more than one kind of anchor. The anchor that I think of most commonly that maybe you think of is the, the kind of anchor that you know, sinks down to the, to the floor of the water and, and grabs on uh, to, the, to the floor of the water, snags on the bottom to hold a boat in place. That's what I usually think of in terms of an anchor, and they, they're useful in, in holding a vessel still. Another kind of anchor, though, is called a sea anchor, and that's the kind of anchor that Blanchett and McGrath had on their sailboat that saved their lives. A sea anchor goes down into the water, but it sort of opens up, kind of almost looks like a parachute from the pictures and the, the, the diagrams I've seen. And uh, it, it, it opens up under the water there, and really, it acts kind of like a brake, uh, holding the boat steady in the midst of enormous waves. And in this case, kept it facing the waves straight on, not allowing the boat to turn broadside in there, and thereby end up ending up capsizing in the water. The anchor is the piece of equipment that saved their lives. It has that, the anchor for a ship has that, that steadying, stabilizing effect. And you know something? I think that's exactly what you and I need for our lives. We need steadying. We need stabilizing. We need to be held in place in the faith, in Christ, as we're going through troubled times. You know, we are in a real storm, aren't we? You've, got, you've probably got all kinds of things going on in your life. i got things going on in my life. And something we all share right now is this coronavirus pandemic that is, it is continuing on and wreaking havoc. It's causing heartbreak and devastation locally. It's causing heartbreak and devastation globally. And I'm finding, as I talk to people, and even as I search in my own heart, I'm finding that 
you know, a lot of us are really struggling. And maybe you're struggling too. There's a lot of people right now that find themselves really fearful. Fearful about the future and what's going to happen. They're anxious about what's going to unfold. Many people find themselves really beat down and just discouraged. Um, some of us are maybe wrestling with some anger about lots of different things surrounding this thing. Some of us are certainly feeling isolated. Some of you maybe feel especially isolated. And I think there's some, if, if you're honest, you may find that, spiritually speaking, you're drifting. You're drifting from the Lord. You're not in a good place with God spiritually in this time. You're not in the place where you know God wants you to be. You've drifted from him. You know, as much as you and I as Christians need some, something to hold on to, I also think we really, at the end of the day, need something to hold on to us. We need to be held. And, and that's why I'm preaching this series. As you, you may know, I, I intended actually this month to preach a different series on relational renewal. And as much as I think that's important, um, I'm going to postpone that in order to preach this series to share with you some truths that I believe will have, can have a steadying effect on your life. I want to share with you some truths that will steady you and stabilize you in your walk with Jesus as you go through these difficult times. I'm preaching this series that I'm just calling Anchors That Hold. Biblical truths that hold us through life's storms. That's our series. Uh, anchors That Hold, Biblical Truths That Hold Us Through Life's Storms. I have in mind truths from God's Word that serve us, that can serve us. If we get hold of these and we get our minds around these and receive these, they can be like anchors for our souls. You know, Hebrews 6 and 19 tells us that in Christ, we have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Isn't that good news? Isn't that something we need to hear right now? That we have in Jesus, we are being held. We've got something that steadies us, that keeps us upright. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to, want to share with you some anchors in the Bible that we have in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have these things. This is what I want to explore with you this month of May. Um, by my count, I got five Sundays this month. You might want to check your calendar, make sure I got that right. But five Sundays... So we're going to look at, Lord willing, five anchors that hold us through life's storms, through troubled times. Now today, the first anchor that I want to share with you is a truth that I think every Christian needs to know about in order to really make sense of our troubles. It's, it's really a vitally important biblical perspective. It's a biblical perspective about problems, about pain, about sorrows and struggles in our lives. It actually, it actually answers for, this perspective answers for us a question that many of us have when we go through troubles in our lives and trials. It's a, it's a common question. It's an understandable question. It's a question that if you're in a storm, you probably feel kind of needs an answer. What's the question? Why? Why would God allow me? To go through this? Why would God allow me? Why would God ordain for me, for us, to go through these troubles? Why does God allow us to go through what we're going through? Well, that's what I want to share with you today. I want to take you to a text of scripture in the book of James, chapter 2, 
uh, sorry, chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. James 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. And I just noticed here, I got this microphone right, right next to me. And those of you who are visual people, that will drive you crazy if I don't move it. So there you go. It doesn't bother me, but I know it bothered you. So you're welcome. All right, now get to James now. James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. And um, if you're familiar with the book of James, then you'll know it was written to people who knew all about trials and troubles. The first recipients of James' letter were Christians who lived through very tough times. Because of persecution, many of them had to flee their homes. They were forced to settle in foreign lands. They lived, really, many of them as refugees, literally, uh, far from what was familiar and scattered abroad, really throughout, scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Now, James was their pastor, and he loved these people. And even though he couldn't be with them all, he wrote to them because he wanted to give them, well, he, he wanted to be sure that they, that they were held firm. He wanted to make sure that they had an anchor, that they were anchored in the Lord. And listen to what he wrote in the first, the first part of his letter. To these people. He wanted to make sure that they stayed anchored to the Lord. Listen to what he says. James 1 verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. What a strange thing to say. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Is, ever, is that sort of a natural inclination for you that when you meet troubles or hard times that you just say like, this is a reason for joy? Why would James say this? Why, what does he mean? Well, let's read on. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's four important realities here that I think you need to grasp in order to make sense of this anchor that I want to share with you today. Four realities that are important for you to grasp. First of all, um, when it comes to trials, you and I have to understand that trials are a part of our journey with Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, yeah, you got to know that trials is part of this journey. We're, we're never far from trials. Trials and troubles are never far from us. Notice what he said. He said, um, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Right? He didn't say if you meet trial. He said when you meet trials of various kinds. So you're going to encounter trials. You're going to meet difficulties. You're going to face hardships. Trials are part of our journey with Jesus. We see this throughout Scripture. Jesus himself said this. He told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. John 16, 33. Paul and Barnabas taught this in Acts 14. He said, they said, through many trials, we must enter the kingdom of, of God. Through many trials, we enter the kingdom of God. Peter said, remember from 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4 and 12, our most recent teaching series, he said, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. What does he mean by that? He means we should anticipate trials. We should expect them. Trials and troubles are part of our journey with Jesus. So we need an anchor because we're going to go through some rough water, so we better be anchored. 
Now, that's the first thing I want you to see. Trials are part of our journey with Jesus. The second thing I want you to see is that trials, what they do, James says, is that trials test our faith. When we go through trials, those trials are a test of our faith. He says that in verse 3. For you, He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's verse 2. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So what's the link here between the testing of the faith producing steadfastness and the trials he talked about in verse 2? Well, what, what happens in verse 2, the, the trial is the occasion, the means by which the faith is tested in verse 3. Trials are tests of faith. That's what James refers to it as, the testing of your faith. It puts your faith to the test. It puts your faith under pressure. It puts it under some stress. A kind of a stress test for your faith. Actually, Bible scholars say that this word here, this word testing in my Bible in verse 3, this word testing was a word used in antiquity sometimes to talk about a process by which gold and precious metals were refined. A kind of testing through fire to uh, to, to prove the preciousness of the metal, the purity of the metal. I sort of think of this testing as sort of like a fitness test. You know, if I, I do some, some fitness stuff sometimes. I try to keep myself in somewhat okay shape. And um, from time to time, the program that I do asks me to do a fitness test. Now, this test is sort of, I do some different things. I do like, I do push-ups and I do wall sits and I do stair climbing, and um, there's something else I do in there too. But anyway, I do these different exercises, and they do a couple of things. One, they show where I'm at in terms of my progress, but also too, in doing them, they help me to they help me to to become more and more fit because as I come back to them, I can see my progress. But in doing them, I also make progress, and that's the kind of the idea here. When we go through trials, it's a test of faith. Listen, when you face grief or illness or opposition or trials in your home or trials in your workplace, uh, when you face physical trials that maybe are temporary or long-term, emotional, spiritual, financial trials, these are tests of faith. They test your faith in God's goodness. They test your faith in the assurance of his presence. They test your faith in his power, in his faithfulness, in his love. It tests your willingness to keep trusting him, to keep obeying him, to keep worshiping him, to keep serving him. We, we say we trust him, and then, but then when we go into the storm, we get to see where we're at in that, and we get to actually do it. That's what James means. That's what I'm trying to say. We're talking about here in terms of our trials, test our faith. We actually go out and do it. We test it. We try it. You can look at the present crisis that you are in right now, that we are in right now, and know that the main thing is not necessarily what's happening around me, although that's significant, or even what's happening to me. And that, that's, that's, I'm not saying that doesn't matter. But the central thing in our Christian walk is to understand that what's happening here is my faith is being tested. This can happen by persecution, but it can happen in various kinds of trials, such as what these folks were facing. James said that they faced various trials, and that's perhaps what you face. So you need to understand this, loved one, that trials are part of our journey with Jesus. Trials are a test 
of our faith. Third thing that I want you to understand is this. Faith that's tested by trials is made stronger. All right? So faith that's tested by trials is made stronger through that testing, by that test. I mean, it sounds kind of negative, right? That, okay, trials are a test of faith. But actually, James shows us here there's something positive going on. Count it all joy, my brothers, verse 2, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith, that's what's happening in that trial, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You see, there's something good happening here. So the, the testing of your faith produces something. It accomplishes something, namely steadfastness or perseverance, or some of your Bibles may say endurance or constancy in faith. And the, the, that test of faith strengthens our faith, deepens our faith, makes it, makes it tougher, takes it to the next level. James says, it produces steadfastness. This steadfastness is the capacity to keep going when you might be tempted to just give in. The steadfastness is the, your capacity, your ability to keep pressing on in the Lord, to keep pushing on, to, to keep keeping on, to not quit, to not give up, and to not give in to the many temptations that come our way in the midst of it. Right now, my son and I are getting ready to do a, a, a charity run. We're raising mon uh, money for a, a, a charity, and we're doing a, a charity run associated with the uh, Mississauga Marathon. And um, uh, we've, we've set our, our distance that we're going to go. And um, for me, you know, I'm, not, I'm not boasting here at all, okay? Uh, but I, I, this distance is not a big deal for me. I, I do this distance uh, regularly. But for my son, as he's growing in his athletic prowess, it's a distance that he has not yet run. And so as we're preparing, as we're, we're both preparing for this, he is working at building up his endurance to be able to run that distance that we're going to run. And, and we talked about it ahead of time, and he thought it would be a good challenge for him. And he's doing great, getting ready for it. And I know that he's going to be able to do it. And we're going to have a great time uh, doing this together. But it, it makes me... Think of it, because I think this is kind of what James is, is talking about here. He says here in our text, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. See, what, and what I'm saying to you here is that faith that's tested by trials, when we go through the storms of life, our faith is tested. And when that faith is tested, it makes our faith stronger. It's like my son's doing right now. He's pushing himself. He's pressing himself. It's no fun. It's a test that he endures as he, as he works at this. But as he progresses, he's able to go further and farther and faster. And that's the idea here that I think James gives to us. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness, a greater capacity to keep trusting. Trials accomplish this for us, creating stronger faith, to, to believe God more, to believe him for more, to have greater resolve, to, to prepare us for greater ministry, greater fervency, greater certainty, greater confidence in God. What's, what's amazing here is that what we see in this text is that you know, it's quite likely that God is using right now in your life the very things that might attempt, that might tempt you to abandon, to abandon faith. In, let me say that again. It's very possible that God might be using the very things that might tempt you to abandon faith in Christ in order to strengthen your faith in Christ. Think about what it is you're going through right now. Now, that test of faith 
There is a temptation there, perhaps, to give up or to give in or to withdraw or to walk away. But God uses that very thing that might tempt you to walk away from the Lord or turn away from him in order to strengthen your faith in him and draw you nearer. All the trials in your life are designed to do something for you. James says here to produce steadfastness, a staying power and endurance, to increase your capacity to keep following and obeying and loving and worshiping God with greater intensity and greater certainty and greater joy, to be able to do more for him, to know his goodness, to taste and see his faithfulness. When our faith in the Lord is, is tested, and yet we still trust him, believing in his goodness and his wisdom and his love, and we resist the temptation to be bitter and resentful and unfaithful, our faith is made stronger. And James says, that's what God's doing for you, loved ones. He writes to these Christians, he says, that's what God's up to. There's a test going on. Yes, you, you're experiencing trials. Trials are part of the journey with Jesus. And as we endure trials, those trials are a test of our faith. But as your faith is tested, faith that is tested by trials is made stronger by those trials. That's, that's what I want you to see here. These, these three things, right? Faith is, faith is part of our journey with Jesus. Trials test our faith. Faith that's tested by trials is made stronger by the test. Now, the fourth thing I want you to see is this. Faith that's strengthened by trials produces something. What does it produce? Look at the text. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, so a deeper strengthened faith. And then he says, and let that steadfastness have its full effect. So that strengthened faith, that deepened faith, let it have its full effect on you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The fourth thing I want you to understand here in this text is that faith that's strengthened by trials produces godly character. When your faith is tested, when it's tested by trials, it's made stronger. And when it's made stronger, what that produces is godly character. You're made more like Christ. Faith strengthened by trials produces godly character. Notice that word perfect. Sounds funny, right? Is it really? You expect it will be perfect? Well, the idea here is to be mature or grown up, to be a grown up believer, to be the man, to be the woman that God has saved you to be. That's the idea that James has here when he talks about perfect, to be mature or to be, then he uses that word complete. In other words, to be in attitude and action, all that God wants me to be, all that he's shaping me to be, lacking nothing, he says, not lacking in wisdom or in confidence or in assurance, not lacking in hope, not lacking in holiness, not lacking in bearing fruit, not lacking in self-control. You see, you see, when our faith is tested, it's made stronger. And when our faith is made stronger, that produces in our lives, that produces godly character. I can't think of anyone in the Bible who we would look up to and admire who did not face significant problems and challenges. Can you? In fact, I can't think of anyone in church history whose story we celebrate who didn't face significant adversity. I mean, 
Probably the reason that we read books and testimonies about saints in church history is because they face significant hardships. I mean, nobody writes books about people who had it easy, right? Even the world knows that. Well, maybe they know that. Actually, I think there's people in many ways that do have it easy. But anyway, strike out that last line. You get the idea. When we think about church history, there's no one whose story we celebrate that didn't face significant adversity. And, and there isn't anyone personally that I look up to in my life as a mentor or pastors who I look up to who haven't faced real life trials. Trials of different kinds. And listen, this is no accident because God's means of shaping our character, of making us more like Jesus, a chosen means of God in doing that is through trials. It's not the only means, but James reminds us here, it is an important means. It's one, way, one of the ways that God shapes our character to produce godly character. One writes this, listen to this quote. Every problem is a character-building opportunity, and the more difficult it is, the greater the potential for building spiritual muscle and moral fiber. It's like God taking us to the gym to work us out, to make us into the people that he's called us to be. I've shown you here four things now from this text. Remember what they are? Let me see if I remember. Number one, Trials are part of the journey with Jesus, right? Trials are part of the journey with Jesus. They're to be expected. Number two, trials are tests of faith. That's what they are. When we go through trials, our faith is tested. It's put to the test. We say we believe in God. Now we, we get to believe in him and bank on him as we go through a trial. Trials are tests of faith. Faith, number three, faith that's tested is made stronger. When our faith is tested, it's strengthened. It's built up. And faith that's strengthened, number four, faith that's strengthened by trials produces godly character. Now, we've come this far. Now we're in a position where we can answer the question that we began with, and that is, why does God allow us to go through hard times? Why does he allow us to go out and to set sail into this world into storms? Why does God allow some tough things into our lives? Why is he letting us go through what we're going through right now? Why has he ordained this for us? Well, the answer to that is James' main point here, I think, in this text that we've, re that we've read. And it's simply this. Trials are a means by which God does good for us. Trials are a means by which God does good for you and for me. That's why he says, count it all joy. Now, this isn't everything that the Bible has to say about why God allows bad things to happen. If we were going to understand all that the Bible says about that, well, that would be an extensive study. We'd have to consider subjects like spiritual warfare and the realities of the fall and and much of what the Bible talks about in terms of the glory of God and the wisdom of God and so much more. So this isn't everything that the Bible has to say about why God allows us to go through hard times. But it's a really important thing for us to know if we're going to be anchored like I desire us to be and like I think you want to be through this storm we're in. We're joyful because God is with us in it. And even though things go bad for us, God does good for us. And that's the anchor I want you to understand today. That's the anchor I want to give you to hold you today. 
that even when things go bad for us, you can be confident that God is doing good for us. Even when things go bad for you in your life, when things go bad this week, when things go bad today, even when things go bad for you, God is doing good for you. And that's what James wants us to see here. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that God is up to good. What good is he up to? You know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, that you may have godly character and be the person that God saved you to be. He builds you up in Jesus and grows you up in Jesus through the storms, through the hard stuff. Believing this is an anchor for your life. This is a truth that can hold you through the hard times. Yes, loved ones, listen. The present crisis is a crisis. It's awful. I, I long for this to be over. Believe me. I long for this to be over. I want this coronavirus to be history. I want it gone months ago, let alone today. It grieves me. It grieves me to think of people who are isolated and alone as we try our best to try to stop this this plague from spreading. It's, it's heartbreaking to see people weeping and mourning over people, people old and young who have perished from this thing. And it drives me crazy to see Christians fighting and squabbling over different views. This thing has become a, a thing in the church and, and it, it, it grieves me. I want this over with. Believe me. This present crisis is a crisis and it is very hard so understand that I don't wish in any way to diminish the calamitous realities of this pandemic and whatever else you're dealing with in your life. But dear Christian, dear Christian, don't overlook the reality that's staring us in the face in this text. And that's happening right now, even in the storm. And it's this. That God is doing good. Even though, even, even, even when things go bad for you, God is doing good for you. He's doing good things in you, shaping you into the likeness of Christ, growing you up in the faith, showing you things about himself. You, you have an opportunity in the midst of the storm to experience something about God that you wouldn't experience otherwise. Think of the Apostle Peter. Remember the, the great story in the New Testament when Peter and the disciples are out in the boat without Jesus and a great storm arises. And the gospel writer tells us that they looked out across the water in the middle of the storm and they saw Jesus coming toward them. At first they freaked out. They thought it was a ghost, right? But, but they see Jesus in the midst of the storm. And um, you remember that, you know, he said, hey, peace, peace, it's, it's me. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter, what did he do? He stepped down to that boat in the midst of the storm and began walking on the water. Amazing. And then all of a sudden he looked around and saw the wind of the waves and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And what happened? Jesus reached down and grabbed them and pulled them up out of the water. And they got into the boat and he calmed the storm. 
They see him walking on the water. They saw him rescuing Peter out of the water. After Peter walked on water, they see him calming storms. Think of the glories of Jesus that they saw that, that day. His power over creation. His, his influence and authority over the elements. His compassion to save. His power to save. His patience. His, his goodness. They sp- experienced all of that personally, profoundly on that day. And in what context, loved one, did they experience that? In the midst of a storm. They, would, they wouldn't have experienced it otherwise. But they did. Because the Lord ordained for them to go through a hard time. And this is what I want you to see. This is an anchor that holds us. When we see this, when we know this, we, when we know that even when things go bad for me, God is doing good for me. This is an anchor that holds me in the midst of the storm. It's, it's a reminder that, that um, when, I look, when I look around and see the troubles of my life, it's a reminder for me that God is still good. God is always good through it. It's a reminder that I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. That's what Paul says in Romans 8 and 31. Uh, talking about, he'd been talking about tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger that, that Christians were facing in those days. And he, he, he brought that all to the table and said, even if you go through all these things, none of these things can ever separate you from the love of God that's for you in Christ Jesus. He said, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, why would he say more than conquerors? Why not just conquerors, right? Like, why not just say we're conquerors over these things? Why does he say more than conquerors? Well, I think it's because of this. When the very things that threaten you end up serving you for your good, you're more than a conqueror. And that's how God works. He, he takes the very things that would threaten to weaken us and to push us away from the Lord. He takes those very things and by his power and by his grace, he uses those things that would otherwise take us down to give us not only victory over them, but uses them to serve us, to shape us, to do good in our lives. I think that's what Paul means when he says you're more than a conqueror. Trials are a means by which God does good for us. So that even when things go bad, we know that God is is doing good. Now listen, God's got many means of doing good for us. Many means. He's got the work of his spirit. He's got his word. He's got fellowship. He's got answered prayer. He's He's got his abundant grace in many different ways. But don't overlook this. That when you're going through, when when things are going bad around you, God is doing good around you, in you, for you. And he's going to do good to you in the end. Just skip ahead just for a moment to verse 12. James 1 and verse 12. Notice what it says. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised for those who love him. What's that talk about? It's talk about heaven. Let's talk about the future hope that we have. This is the eternal joy that's coming. So here's here's the thing. We've got an implicit promise here that the troubles are temporary. And not only that, not only are the troubles temporary, they're not just going to go away, but they're going to give way one day to eternal joy, eternal glory in heaven. And dear friend, I I hope that you know that that's what you've got ahead for you. And and I want you to know that, that you can have that hope. 
You, you can have that, that, that gospel hope of heaven when you trust in Jesus. To have not only the goodness of God at work in your life now, but also the promise of God for eternity. We're seeing here this anchor that even when things go bad for us, God is doing good for us. That's an anchor that holds us close to the Lord. I was thinking of, um, I was thinking as I was preparing the sermon of a friend who I have seen from a distance held by this, by this anchor. Thinking of her, she's gone through a real tough time in her life. The, um, she's, I'm sure she's had many storms, but the one that I know of and been familiar with is what she went through with her husband. Her dear husband was a, a man who loved and followed Jesus, but uh, late in his life, he was overcome with Alzheimer's. And after a very long and heartbreaking journey home, uh, she bid goodbye to him. And uh, it was a tough, a tough stretch. And any of you who uh, have anybody in your life who's dealt with Alzheimer's, you know, it's, uh, they call it the long goodbye. And it's, a, um, it's just a heartbreaking thing when you, um, you gradually, slowly lose a person over time. And they're still there, but in many ways they're not there. Well, she walked that journey faithfully with the Lord and with her husband and laid him to rest. And that was a, a real storm in her life. Now, what got me thinking about this is about a year ago, I preached a sermon that we called When Rock Bottom Gives Way. It was, a, it was from the book of Ruth, and we think about when hard times come. And one of the um, aspects of that sermon that I, I brought out at that time was that we see in Scripture that when we go through hard times, when, you, when we think we've hit rock bottom and, and bottom gives way, it's from a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, when you think you've hit bottom and the bottom gives way, Jesus will meet you there. When you're at rock bottom, Jesus will meet you there. Well, I, I, we posted that sermon on social media, and I noticed that she commented, this friend of mine, and she commented with these words. She said, He will meet you there. Capital W, capital I, capital L, capital L. He will meet you there. What's she saying? She's saying, I'm telling you, he will meet you there. Because I've met him there. She's experienced it. She experienced the testing of her faith. And her faith was strengthened. And she experienced God. She encountered God. She's, in other words, she's got an anchor in God. And loved one, what I'm saying to you is that if you will believe this truth today, that even when things are going bad for you, God is doing good for you, that can be an anchor that holds you through the storm to help you not only stay faithful, but grow in faithfulness before the Lord. That you too can say, yes, I've met him there. You see, before the storm, you're like, I was, I'm, I'm believing he will be there. I'm thinking he will be there. But in the storm, when you meet him there, you not only realize that he is there, and you not only realize that he is good, that he is able, but you find out greater depths and greater wonders of his goodness and his ability to do for you beyond what you could have ever imagined or anticipated. And that might be just exactly what God is doing for you and in you right now, showing you more of him. This anchor that holds is this, that when things go bad for us, we know that God is doing good for us. Now, to close, I want to leave you with this. this. This last sort of question is, how do I get hold of this? How can I be sure that this anchor holds me? I'll leave you with three things, and I'll try to say them briefly. Number one, how do I get this? How do I get, be sure that this anchor is holding me? Number one, you need to know Jesus. 
You need to turn to Jesus and put your trust in him. And you can do that today simply by asking him to come into your life and to save you. To tell him, Lord Jesus, I know that I have sinned and I need a savior. And I ask you to to save me. I, I know that you died for me to remove my sins. And I'm looking to you today in faith, in sincere faith, asking you to save me. And um, if we can help you understand that better, I, I'd love to be able to do that. You can contact us. Go to our website, arendale.org, and just use, there's a form there. Scroll to the bottom of the page and use that form to reach out to us and say, I want to know more about knowing Jesus. I want you to know that people do this, that people, people do contact us in this way with questions like that. So uh, you can just do that. But the first thing is you need to know Jesus. You need to have a saving relationship with Jesus. If any of these anchors are going to hold you, including this one. How do I get this anchor the, of, of knowing that even when things go bad for us, God is doing good for us? I need to know Jesus. Second, I need to know that what God says here is true. James says here, verse, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know something here. There's a truth here that you know. And how do, I, how do I lay hold of this anchor and have this anchor lay hold of me? I must believe what God says here. Do you believe this? You must believe him. You've got to trust him. You've got to fix your mind on this. You've got to remind yourself of this. Then you're going through the storm. God's at work here doing good. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I know sometimes I don't see it. But you've got to preach that to yourself and preach it to each other. Remind each other. God's doing good here. I know it's going bad, but God is up to good. We know that. Know Jesus. Know what God says is true. And then thirdly and finally, choose joy. Do you notice how this passage begins? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. We're not going to just pretend that everything's good when, it's, when it isn't good. Things are bad. Things are hard. We're going to acknowledge that. Because we, we know that trials are part of the journey with Jesus. We're not saying either be happy about the problems. The problems are the sources of our misery. But rather, we're going to be joyful in God. We're going to be joyful in his grace. We're going to be joyful in the sure knowledge that we see in scripture. That even when things are going bad, he is up to good. We're going to choose joy and be joyful in him. Now that's a high calling. That's, that's not easy to do. And so that's why I want to close this sermon today by praying for this. That praying that, that, that God would give us grace to not fall into the hole of bitterness and negativity. We are surrounded right now by negativity and frustration and anger. Listen, loved ones, we got to resist that because we're not going to experience the wonder of being held by this anchor when we're bitter and angry and lashing out. Rather, instead, we've got to choose joy, joy in the Lord, fixing our focus on him and on his word. And so let me just close this message with a word of prayer that God would lay hold of us with this truth here that we're seeing today. Father, I pray that you would help us to know, to know that even when things are going bad, you are up to good. When things are going bad for me, when things are going bad for these dear folks who are joining me today, Lord, Give us the faith to know that even when things are going bad, that you are doing good. You're doing good in us. You're doing good for us. You're going to do good to us. Lord, give us faith to know that. Give us faith, Lord, to choose joy in light of that. Let the reality, Lord, please, we pray that the reality 
of your goodness, of your faithfulness, the reality that you are accomplishing good things through the storm, let that reality produce in us joy so that we would indeed count it all joy when you call us to go through the storm. Lord, I pray that you would anchor us with this truth, that we would not wander from you or become disillusioned, but you would hold us steady and faithful with the truth of your goodness. And as we work through this series this month, I pray that it would have a steadying, stabilizing effect on your people, that your people would be strengthened, that they'd be confident in you. And Lord, that we would indeed experience the true meaning of being more than conquerors as we look to you and as we follow Jesus. We pray for this in his great name. Amen.